is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Welcome to the Agenda here on the Blood Red Channel. I'm Guy Clark with the Premier League season just over four weeks away. There's plenty to be said and done, not least in the transfer window before the new campaign starts. As Liverpool continue their pre-season camp in Austria, Jürgen Klopp's midfield still has a genie Wijnaldum-shaped hole to fill, with one possible replacement touted being Leicester City's Yuri Tielemans. Well, with that in mind, plus to talk about Brendan Rodgers' boxes, including their new recruit Pats and Decker, it's a pleasure to have Leicester City correspondent at Leicestershire Live, Jordan Blackwell here with us. Jordan, how are you keeping? Uh, not so bad, thanks, Guy. I'm, um, I'm just... Uh... In the, uh, I just moved into a new house and I'm, I've immediately had to self-isolate. So, uh, oh. yes, uh, so not great on that front, but yes, I'm, I'm not too bad. No, I hope you, you, you're keeping well and not getting too bored, as you say, sort of self-isolating. But we're going to have sort of a, a fair bit of a chat around Leicester City. They're a real sort of side of intrigue um, in the Premier League, given, I suppose, the way in which their story began winning the Premier League title and then since then building. And I suppose even since winning the FA Cup, this summer has been another su- summer campaign, really, in which Leicester have looked to build and sort of wasted no time at all in the transfer window whilst everyone else has been quiet. Yeah, I think I think it's something that Leicester are regarded for around the Premier League now for for doing good business, uh, and they've managed to do it quickly. This summer, obviously, we've not yet seen their the new signings in action, but certainly the uh, it seems to be uh, more good business. Pats and Daka, uh, thirty four goals uh, for uh, RB Salzburg last season, uh, the player of the season in uh, the Austrian Bundesliga. Bubakara Samari, box-to-box midfielder, won the French title with Lille. Um, so, uh, you know, a, a, some pedigree there as well. But both young, both got scope to improve, both come in at um, not too uh, heavy prices. Uh, Samari, 17 million, Dakar, 23 million. So uh, a couple of really good deals, strengthen Leicester in a couple of key areas. Um, so hopefully uh, Leicester will uh, think that they've got uh, done a couple more uh Bargains there, and they'll um, they'll have players to to keep rising the keep rising at the Premier League table again. Yeah, how much has the FA Cup win of last season sort of energised the club? Because it's felt for a few seasons now, of course, really knocking on that door for a top four finish, and I suppose dropping out of that, having that tangible success, a first FA Cup for the club, something that was much coveted, has sort of re-energised, I suppose, sort of the the belief that the Leicester City project ultimately will be a success. Yeah, I think. It, I think the season still, because obviously the Premier League season ended after the FA Cup campaign, I think there was a little bit of a disappointment uh, at the end of the season. Um, but I think it will be easier to get over that disappointment this this summer um, because of, uh, you know, because they've got that success there with the Premier League, uh, sorry, with the FA Cup. I think the summer before, uh, they had the, the same thing of just dropping out uh, at the very end uh, of the season, um, and uh, but they didn't have anything else to show for it. That was the main thing: finishing in the top four. They didn't get it. Um, but this this time around, yes, again they finished just outside the top four, but they have the FA Cup um, to show for it as well. So uh, yeah, it's a it, it should hopefully mean that the the disappointment of last season they should be able to get over that more quickly um, and hopefully start this campaign really well. 
And then, fingers crossed, not uh, fall away at the end again, as they've done for the for the past couple of seasons. Yeah, been there though, and and thereabouts certainly sort of signs of, of encouragement. I suppose central to all of it as well. One of the sort of key talking points to to chat with you about is a certain Yuri Tielemans. Yes, uh, Leicester's uh, well, he's simply their best player. There's no other way around it. Um, obviously, we've we've all seen the talk this summer, um, which I don't think is particularly surprising because. Uh, I think Leicester fans will agree that he is a midfielder good enough to play for most teams in Europe. Um, uh, just an all-round brilliant player. He will play the passes uh, to uh, you know cut apart defences. He will work hard at the base of midfield to, to help shield the back four. He can score goals too, uh, whether that's dribbling into the box, whether that's you know picking up pieces on the edge of the area, whether that's rifling them into the top corner from 25 yards as he did in the the FA Cup final. Um, so there, uh, yeah, there's a there's he's a very very good player, uh, and I can certainly see why uh, the uh, Liverpool uh, may have been linked to him. Where does he kind of rank, I suppose, for you in terms of some of those previous stellar names at Leicester City who have moved on, the likes of Riyad Mahrez, the likes of Harry Maguire, etc., and Golo Kante? Because as you say, he really does have the look. I don't watch him week in, week out, but the look of a midfield player who could fit in, as you say, to any side in, in those top five European leagues. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think because... Leicester, obviously Leicester do sell, tend to sell one key player each summer. That's kind of been the pattern over the past five years, as you mentioned there. Um, like some Maguire, Chilwell went last summer, it was Maguire before that, Mahrez, Drinkwater, Kante. I think it's always been the case that, certainly with the last two, with Chilwell and uh, Maguire, it has been felt that Leicester could get decent replacements Um for you know less than half the price and they managed to do that they they brought in Fafana uh from uh St Etienne who I think the hope is that he will go on to be a better player than Maguire is obviously he's still only a teenager and he was very good in his first season at the club uh Castagna they brought in to replace um Chilwell but they've also got James Justin a lad they signed for six million from Luton who uh was progressing really well before he got injured I think Leicester would struggle to get a player they feel could replace Yuri Tielemans. Um, I think he's just the kind of the breadth of his talents. I don't think you get in many players. Um, I think is is clearly his, the way he passes and the the intelligence of his passing is his main attribute. But he, I mean, there are games where you watch him and you think, I don't know what he's not good at. He's, he's literally good at everything, um, and I think. Leicester will feel that midfielders like that, that they can do everything and that you do feel comfortable in them doing any sort of role in the midfield. I don't think they come, I don't think they come around too often. Um, so Leicester feel they've looked out and getting in for £32 million, pounds, rising to 40. So they'll be uh, kind of understandable with them why they might be uh, reluctant to sell and like perhaps, um, you know, signing uh, previous uh, sales um, where they felt that, OK, we can get a bit of money out of this player, Chilwell or Maguire, and we can go into the market and be successful and, uh, and not suffer too much. I think if they sold Tielemans, they might they may feel that they would their form would suffer because there isn't the, there isn't the player there that they could bring in and immediately have the same impact. 
Yeah, he also kind of, I suppose, feels like the next generation almost, as it were, of Leicester signings. That He obviously came with a fair bit of pedigree prior to his arrival at the King Power, whereas a lot of them have, I suppose, really made their name there and, and as you say, sort of been cultivated, moved on and another player's been brought in. But in terms of then the stance from Leicester City, I suppose the stance is not for sale, but with two years left on his contract, probably at that crossroads maybe of if they are going to cash in and get the best possible price, it would have to be this summer or they're going to need to sort of do all they can to, to tie him down. Yeah, that, that is, that's basically it. Yeah. So he, he was offered a new contract uh, or certainly there were, there were contract talks before he went away um, with Belgium. Um, a, a sense of wanting to reward um, him for being, you know, one of the club's key players and, a, you know, an important player at the club. Um but also to strengthen their own hand in case other clubs came in. Uh, those talks are going to continue after he gets uh, after he gets back off his holiday, um, which he, he should have a, a couple more weeks yet, I think, before for, before getting back um, to the club. Um, you're right. I think that with two years left, you you that's the sort of you get into the point where it's a bit of a dangerous situation then, because I think as soon as a player has one year left their price seems to to drop uh, quite considerably. Um, I think while he's got two years left, Leicester is still in fairly safe hands in being able to charge what they want. Um, but it will be a case of trying to get him to sign uh, a new deal. Um, you know, even if it's a case of uh, adding an extra year uh, onto what he's, he's got currently to try and get, uh, just to strengthen their hand a little bit. Uh, which to be honest, is, is something that Leicester have been um, successful at over the past few years. Um, you know, bringing in uh, players, well, being able to keep players around and being able to get them to sign new contracts. I think Harry Maguire signed a new contract the year before he was sold, which obviously allowed Leicester to get um, get a significant amount of money for him. So uh, I think there's a, I think Leicester will feel fairly confident, particularly as. Tiedemans is happy at the club. Um, I know you could argue why can't he be happy somewhere else? Which yes, he can. But he's you know he's happy at Leicester. He's uh, he likes his life there. His wife is he's got a wife and two daughters living in North Leicestershire, and they uh, they're all happy here. I think his second daughter was was born here as well. I think I think he said previously as well he preferred Leicester to to Monaco, which uh, I'm not sure many people who grew up in Leicester would agree with that. But um, you know it seems to be his sort of lifestyle. He said it, because it's similar to to Brussels where he grew up, uh, the outskirts of Brussels. Um, it was more familiar to him. So. He does enjoy it. He does enjoy it at Leicester. Obviously, he's the main man on the pitch as well. I think Brendan Rodgers uh, has referred to him as his, his the brain of the team, um, even though he's only twenty three or oh, twenty three or twenty four. I can't remember. But um, he's uh, you know, even though he's still relatively young, and there are you know there are Leicester players, key players in their thirties, but he is one of the leaders of the team, and he is the you kind know, of the, the brain and the key cogs of the team. So um, yeah, he's a. Uh, he is he is happy at Leicester, but it's it's not necessarily how he always goes in terms of contract talks. You sometimes need a little bit more than that. The agenda on the Blood Red Channel. Looking at it, then I suppose with Leicester as well, and knowing the Liverpool track record, who if they're interested in a player, they quite often won't panic and they are happy to wait, like they did with Virgil Van Dijk, for example. I suppose Leicester, uh, kind of the the opposite 
opposite, but the same in terms of that. As you say, a number of the players who have moved on, the likes of Mares, Maguire, even maybe Chilwell to an extent, have all kind of murmured about leaving a year before and then, as you say, maybe signed a new contract to help strengthen the hand and then have eventually moved. It has kind of been club policy, hasn't it, for Leicester to move a player on maybe each summer? Yeah, I think it's... I think because they see that as a way to... Um, they, they have kind of, Leicester have kind of have to build finance in a different way to other clubs. If you, Although the... The prize money you get from Premier League, the Premier League, and things like that is fairly um, it's fairly equal. You know, you know, Leicester finishing two places behind Liverpool this season will have got what sort of two or three million less in terms of Premier League prize money, a little bit less in terms of TV money, but still a fairly even split. Obviously, Europe, uh, European achievements, Leicester being in the Europa League, Liverpool being in the Champions League, there's a bit of a significant difference there. But I would say the main difference is kind of the commercial aspects of the club. I think if you were to, to rank the, the prim, all of the Premier League clubs, um, uh, you know, by the sort of the commercial revenue, I think Leicester are 10th uh, in the Premier League. And I think it's sort of, I think maybe even like 10 times lower uh, than what Manchester United's would be at the top of the list. So there's a that's where they suffer. Um so they do have to have this kind of stance where they do bring players in, uh, where they do sell players just to make that little bit of that, that extra revenue to be able to move the club forward in terms of they're able to sell players for big money and bring in two or three uh, with the money that they make. You're right, it's kind of been a, a, a kind of gentleman's agreements kind of thing and they have kind of been true to their word when players have signalled that they, they want to leave. It's... Um, They've kind of been true to that and uh, in letting them leave eventually, but it's also been a case of oh, we're not going to let you leave for nothing. We want a good we want a good deal out of this. So I think there's a, a, a yes. The, I think both of those uh, I think both of those factors uh, are true. And I think we've seen, as you say, we saw it was kind of the case with Maguire as well. Uh, in particular, that there was there was lots of talk of him wanting to go after the. Um, after the 2018 World Cup, uh, but um, he uh, waited a waited a year, signed signed a new contract, waited a year, and then was sold for was a world record fee for a defender. So um, that's that that is the Leicester way. That is how they do it. Uh, it's been successful for them so far. But I think there is a realization that sometimes some of their players do outgrow the club, and also you don't want to keep players. I mean, Rogers has said this: you don't want to keep players that don't want to be there. Uh, I don't think it's very good for the morale of the group. I don't think it's very good for the success of, uh, of the team because I don't think that player can perform to the right level. Um, so uh, I think, yeah, there's a there's a balance to, to to strike. And so far, Leicester have been very, very successful in striking that balance. Yeah, and Leicester have been very canny in the transfer market. And just as you mentioned, sort of the Maguire fee there, it's always a, a sort of point of fun for Liverpool fans towards Manchester United for how much they paid for Maguire, given Liverpool sort of had it given to them for, for when they spent what they did for Virgil van Dijk. But I suppose for Liverpool in this situation, maybe it's sort of counterintuitive, having driven up that market price to the point, Leicester will probably be looking at it going, well, we'd want more for more for Yuri Tielemans. But wanted to ask you also about Brendan Rodgers. And you were saying there that he just want to keep a player who's unhappy and Certainly at Liverpool, things began to unravel for him after Luis Suarez left, who, of course, was such a vital player for the team. But he seems to have learnt the lesson 
that he had at Liverpool and, and with Leicester seems to be able to work ahead and adapt and you don't see Leicester sell a big player and all of a sudden bring in five or six players as Liverpool had to do when Suarez left. Everything is already worked out in advance and I suppose sort of highlighting that is Pats and Daka coming in whilst Jamie Vardy's already still around. Yeah, that, that's a you know a, a real prime example of of what Rogers talks about. He mentions the the pipeline quite a lot, which is essentially that kind of having a player ready uh, for when you for when you lose a player, either because they're sold or because likely in the case of Vardy, eventually he's probably going to retire with the club. Now he's still got a couple of years left on his contract, but. Um, they know how important, I mean, he's been Leicester's talisman for, you know, certainly since the title win, so for the past sort of five or six uh, years, but obviously he's been at the club for a while now and he's been a, you know, a successful figure, um, you know, leading the line. I think we've started to see signs of a decline. I don't want to, I, I don't think it's, I think it's certainly well, it's something, it's something that's been predicted for a long time. I think, because people look at his age and they see that he's a quick striker and they go, well, as soon as he loses his pace, he's not going to be very good. I mean, he's managed to def- defy that. Basically, he won the, the Golden Boots, uh, not last season, but the season before, and he was the oldest player to win it since the, the 1930s or 1940s, uh, something like that. So I think he his sort of all-round game is underappreciated. But since Christmas this year, uh, since Christmas last year, sorry, he's, he's scored two, two open play goals in 27 appearances. Obviously, one of those being against uh, against Liverpool. So that's not not quite good enough for a team that have champ- as, cha- as champion Champions League aspirations like, like Leicester do. Slightly, slightly because his role changed. He, he played up front in a two with Kalechi and Acho, and obviously Acho went on an incredible run. Uh, ended up finishing as the top scorer, um, and Vardy was kind of helping him. Uh, but I think there was, I think we started to see signs of maybe. The guys sounds even difficult to say, but it's kind of the start of the end for Jack. For Jack, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's not really words you want to hear if you're if you're a Leicester fan because he has been so crucial to the club. But as you say, they've now bought in Pats and Daka, who is a very similar striker, likes to play on the last man, very speedy, doesn't necessarily get involved with the build up, but will be there in the box to score the goals. Um, is a just uh, will scare defenders with their pace, that kind of striker. Um, and I think he's, uh, I, I think he's, I can see why Leicester have signed him and I can see why, what Leicester want from him. Um, and I think it will be a case of him maybe picking up a few tips and tricks from Jamie Vardy over the next uh, couple of years before he becomes uh, Leicester's main man up front. Because uh, obviously he's still, he's, you know, scored a lot of goals and I'm sure he will be able to make an immediate impact, but he is only 22. Um, so it, there is certainly scope for for improvement and development there. Yeah, he was he was being linked extensively with with Liverpool as well, and obviously the relationship that Liverpool have forged with the Red Bull clubs. But I, I suppose, as you say, bringing him in at twenty two and Jamie Vardy being around the place as well, he's not going to, I suppose, have that great big spotlight and pressure on him. Of course, there is certain pressure that comes with a striker being signed for over twenty million pounds. But I suppose the view is to sort of see how he adapts to English football and, and hopefully for Leicester, I suppose, be the man to finally get them over the line and into the Champions League? Yeah, I think Leicester have probably missed... Um, they've missed a, a little bit of a goal threat over the past um, 
few years. It, it has always felt, I mean, until recently, until Ian Acho's good run of form, um, I think most people would have said he w- he'd been a bit of a flop uh, and not quite, you know, he didn't quite cut it. You know, I remember in January, uh, Leicester fans were, you know, basically devastated, basically, because the club hadn't signed a backup for, for Jamie Vardy. Um because they didn't feel that either Ian Acho or Jose Perez would be able to, to cut it. And I think Jamie Vardy had a few uh, injuries and was sort of spent a couple of games on the sidelines at the time. And the, the, the Leicester fans were thinking that the, you know, the club's hopes for the season would, would go down the pan. But obviously Ian Acho came in, was able to score, to score the goals. He's proven he can uh, do it at the top level now. Um, and that will be the, the job for Daka to do that as well, prove that he can, um, you know, he can get the goals. And I think it's, it helps Leicester with kind of um, with the playing twice a week. I think they're still a club adjusting to the to the idea of playing twice a week, playing in European football. I think this is only, this coming season will be the first time in their history that they've played in Europe in back to back seasons. So it's not something that they're, that they're used to yet. Um, you know, not like Liverpool and you know playing in in Europe every every season. Um, so. I think there will be scope there to rotate a little bit more. Uh, Dak has obviously got experience in the Champions League and the Europa League, so he's going to know he's going to know about playing in, the, in those competitions. But I think that it probably helps. Um, it keeps Jamie Vardy a little bit fresher um, because he doesn't have to play twice a week every week. Uh, so hopefully, with the with the three of them leading the line, either with one of them. Uh, playing as a sole striker or two in a pair, Leicester should have enough options now that um, they're never short of goals. Uh, so that's that's certainly be the be the plan. I think we'll see. Certainly, I think if if I had to pick two players to start together, I I, I think it would still be Vardy and Ianacho for the time being. But with Daka there, that you're going to have. Um, you've got another option. You've got uh, you've got another player there who. Fingers crossed, uh, has the pedigree to, to to show you know that he can score goals and regularly score goals as well. Yeah, just adding sort of a bit of depth to the squad. It doesn't feel like Leicester are going to be sort of going anywhere as in terms of falling away from that hunt for Champions League football. It doesn't feel to me as though these rumours with Yuri Tielemans are going to be going anywhere either, Jordan. Certainly, maybe until he does sign a new contract, and even then, in the long term, maybe one still to keep an eye on. A bit of encouragement, I suppose, then on the. Uh, Liverpool front regarding that. But Jordan, thanks a lot for joining us here on Blood Red. Been an absolute pleasure to, to chat with you. No problem at all, Guy. Thanks very much. Cheers. Well, that's it from us for this edition of the Agenda here on the Blood Red channel. Do make sure to check out the links to the Blood Red Club in the description. All it takes is your email address for our exclusive weekly content to find its way directly to your inbox. For, but from myself, Guy Clark and Jordan Blackwell, thanks for your time and your company here on Blood Red. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.